Thank you, Pastor. You make me, make me get teary-eyed up here. Um, good evening, everybody. Uh, my name is Kyle. I'm one of the uh, Connections pastors in the Cleveland Valley View campus, um, but this has always been my, my, my core church home. Uh, grew up here, met my wife here, so good to be with you all um, this evening. I want to, before I get into my message, um, from time to time when I, when I speak, I'll be preparing uh, the message, and then the Lord will just give me something that just has nothing to do with my message, but feels like, feel like I just need to share it. Um, so, and, and if it's just one person in here that wants to receive it, you know, I think it was worth it. But um, what I wrote down, what the Holy Spirit shared with me was, uh, peace precedes the path. Peace precedes the path. And, and what I was thinking about uh, when the Lord shared that with me is that so many times, even in so many of the words that were spoken in worship, um, we have things that we're believing God for. Uh, we have things we're struggling with. Um, just as Pastor Becca was talking about, we have like these burdens that we carry. And oftentimes, if we're not careful, like um, what, we, what we tend to want to do is like put an ultimatum before the Lord, even though like he'll, he'll, he'll deal with that thing. But we'll put an ultimatum before the Lord and we'll say, Lord, until you deal with this thing, I'm just not going to walk in peace. And you may not say that like consciously, but subconsciously, uh, at least I know I, I have in the past. And you kind of like get mad at the Lord, right? Can anybody relate? Nobody? Okay, somebody? Okay. So what the Lord is saying simply is this, is that peace is possible uh, before that thing is revealed, before that path is revealed. Amen. Um, it's possible to be sick. It's possible to be laid off. It's possible to be uh, whatever the situation is, but that the Prince of Priests penetrates your heart. Um, peace comes first. And oftentimes what happens is then supernaturally that thing is dealt with. You kind of like forget about it. Amen. So I just wanted to release that. Hopefully you receive it um, and it blesses you. Let's, uh, let's just pray and we'll get into the message here this evening. Uh, Heavenly Father, just just honor you, Lord God. We do cast our crowns before you, Lord God. We give uh, all of what we have, um, all of our lives, Father God, to you. We thank you, Father God, that you're still king, that no matter what we see or sense happening in the universe, around the globe, um, in our homes, whatever is happening on the outside, you're king. And that's all that matters, Father. And so we pray, Father God, that you would... Um, Help me, Father God, to, to step out of the way, Father God, and put you on display this evening. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. All right. Um, so have you, has anybody here heard of some of these churches that for communion, they're starting to pass out donuts? <laughs> Instead of like the little wafer crackers. Pastor Troy, Pastor Troy's not here. Don't tell Pastor Troy. Have you heard of this? Well, these churches are, are starting to pass out donuts, and everything from Dunkin' Donuts to Krispy Kreme. Wouldn't that be cool if we did communion using donuts in the juice? <laughs> yeah, I mean, what, what they're arguing is, is that it is a more holy experience. <laughs> All right, okay. That was, my, uh, <laughs> that was my feeble attempt to win you over with humor. Got a couple laughs. Yeah, no, I don't think, uh, well, these days, I don't know. Maybe there are some churches that are doing that, but just a little joke. First uh, Corinthians eleven twenty four says, you know, the real communion here, this is Jesus speaking. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Um, operative word here being remembrance. It's the, um, it, it's a Greek word there. It's, if I pronounce this right, it's called anamnesis, which comes from um, an ancient Greek word meaning to remember or literally to call to mind. 
to remember or literally to call to mind. It actually should sound kind of familiar because it's also where we get our word amnesia, right? Like the medical term amnesia where you just forget certain things, right? Um, And so, so I really want us to kind of like hone in on why would Jesus say this, right? Do this in remembrance, it, 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 it almost suggests, right, that Jesus is basically saying, if you do not, then you will most likely what? Forget, right? You forget, which is very interesting. See, there's something about repetition. I know we do communion. I grew up, I grew up Baptist, so we used to do communion. It was always like, what was it, the first Sunday or something like that? We would take communion, but um, I say grew up. That was like when I was real little. But here, I think I like that we just do communion whenever it feels feel like the Lord is leading us to do communion. And I encourage you um, to, to do communion as, as, as Christ commands us to, right? Uh, why? To help us never forget. I love that, that song. I've heard, I heard that song. It was so powerful. And if, if anything, that it, it, what it does is it evokes the cross all over again, right? It, it, it forces us to look back at the greatest sacrifice ever made, right? And so there's something about the repetition that's linked to memory, and I want to just dive into this idea. But before we do, let's try something. You can ha- answer back at me out loud. Uh, this should be pretty easy, but it'll be interesting to see the responses. We're going to play a little game called Finish the Hymn. Finish the Hymn, okay? So I'm not going to sing these on purpose for a couple of reasons. <laughs> but um, so let's, let's start. So just, just blur, blurt out the rest of the, the line here. Uh, amazing grace, how sweet the sound. Easy, easy. A couple more. Oh, precious is the flow that makes me white as snow. No other fount I know. Two for two. You guys are good. Three more. Jesus loves me, this I know. Man, all right, all right. All right, a little bit tougher, maybe not. Uh, this is my story. This is my song. You guys have been in church your whole lives. Okay, all right. Okay. Um, Jesus, last one. Jesus paid it all, all to him I owe. There it is. Sin has left a crimson stain. It's blood washed white as snow. All right. How many, when I was reciting those lines, though, could kind of like, um, you know, recall the, the, the melody behind it? Anybody? Like immediately, like I was, I was, I was saying it, like uh, not singing it, right? But, but how many, like, okay, a lot of people like, like heard the melody immediately, right, in their minds. See, see, I want to suggest something tonight, and I want to dive into something that um, I think we all know intuitively about human beings and about the design that God has established here on the earth. But it's this idea, I think we have my title, my message somewhere. Uh, the title of my message is called Rhythms and Cadences. Rhythms and cadences. See, rhythms and cadences are fundamental to every society today on earth. They always have been. Uh, let me just list a couple like that are just, um, you don't have to be a Christian to understand what I'm talking about. The circadian rhythm, this is just one of the core rhythms that God established that basically wakes us up every day and uh, lets us know like if it's, uh, you know, it's the reason why we uh, most of the time don't wake up in the middle of the night, right? Uh, in music, obviously, right? We, the minute you think you hear rhythm, you're going to think of music, you're going to think of uh, you know, harmonious scales and all of that kind of stuff, treble clefs and whatnot, okay? Um, sports, you know, I grew up playing basketball, and you can get in a rhythm. You can get hot 
uh, muscle memory, baseball, same thing, football, same thing, all kinds of other sports, golf, same thing, right? Um, even in the military, right? Like, I don't know if they still do this, but I think they do. But, you know, they, one of the first things they teach you is how to march in rhythm and how to be in unison, how to fall in rank and all these kinds of things, right? Um, business. There's, I'm in business right now. We always talk about something called operating rhythms. It's just the idea that, you know, you're not, you don't just, you're not going to be successful doing something one time, but you have to establish an operating rhythm to do it over and over and over again successfully. God was in a rhythm when he created the universe. If you want to go back and read Genesis chapters 1, 2, 3, um, you'll see this, you'll pick up on this cadence. You know, God spoke, God, then, it said, then he said it was good, right? Um, you know, let us make this in our own image. Let, you know, there's kind of this like rhythm behind it. It's almost, in fact, I don't know if you know this, but a, a vast majority, I don't know the percentage of the Bible is actually poems. Did anybody know this? You know, of course, we think of Psalms, right? But a lot of the prophetic books are poems, right? A lot of the, the, the original authors um, wrote it this way. So it begs the question, well, why? What is it about song? What is it about rhythms um, that naturally, um, you know, cause us to connect, that naturally relate to us. You know, there's some prominent, I can think of many examples in the Bible. I'm going to list a, read a couple verses here, but prominent figures in the Bible demonstrated lives consisting of established cadences, which had a direct impact on the trajectory of their lives. Absolutely, no doubt about it. Let's just read a couple. Job 1 and 5. Job, what an awesome man of God. When the days of feasting had completed their cycle, Job would send and consecrate them, rising up early in the morning, offer bur offering burnt offerings according to the number of them for all. For Job said, perhaps my sons have sinned. This is an awesome statement. Perhaps my sons have sinned and cursed God in their hearts. Thus Job did continually. He had a rhythm. Luke 4 and 16 this is Jesus. And he, Jesus, came to Nazareth where he had been brought up. And as was his custom, he went to the synagogue on the Sabbath day and stood up to read. One of my favorite stories in the Bible, I won't read the verse, but it's found in Acts chapter 10. This is the, the story of the first Gentile that uh, came to Christ. His name is Cornelius. If you don't know the story, I encourage you to read it. This is in Acts chapter 10. But before he knew Jesus, the Bible says that he prayed continually to God, continually, not just one time. And finally, Paul, the Goliath, right, of the, uh, the New Testament, not, not that Goliath, but just <laughs> I meant to be a, a big pers personality, uh, Acts 17 in, in verse 2 says, as was his custom, Paul went into the synagogue and on, and on three Sabbath days he reasoned with them from the scriptures. The word custom here in the Greek, very interesting. Uh, we could spend a whole lot of time on this. Uh, it's the word etho, E-T-H-O, uh, which ethos, with adding an S, is derived. Basically, this, the meaning of this is it's a character or guiding beliefs of a person. That's what ethos is. It, it, ultimately, it is really saying that you become, we've heard this before, you are the, the summation or the culmination of your habits. That's who you are. It's, you're made up of the things that you do over and over and over again. So therefore, our walk with the Lord is just that. It's a walk, right? It's not just a one-time event. It's not just a one-time worship experience. It's not just a one-time prayer. It's a culmination of all those things. And so I want to propose to you that rhythms tonight, that rhythms are the key to unlocking habits. I feel like a lot of times we... 
uh, we struggle with our walk with the Lord, we have these ebbs and flows because we, we talk about this all the time. Is like we kind of ride this wave through the week of Sunday services and midweeks, but then in between time, we kind of fall apart. And I really feel like this is a word for the end times that we're in. I really feel like the Holy Spirit is saying we have to wrestle with this to establish the proper kingdom rhythm and cadence that the Holy Spirit wants to put in your life. It can no longer be, uh, we'll talk about this later, but the opposite of rhythm is dissonance. It's just chaos. There's no beat to it. There's no, you're just one, one day you're this way and the next day you're this way. And circumstances shift and sway you uh, any way they want to take you. And so the, um, you know, how do we establish godly, godly habits? Like, how do we establish these? Well, I'm going to propose to you tonight that the answer is um, rhythm, godly rhythm, okay? And so um, I, I will, as an aside here, say that the enemy, Satan, the one who is opposed, uh, he knows this. If you, if you understand anything about Satan, you'll recognize that um, he is an imitator, not a creator. Satan can't create any new ideas. He can't come up with anything his own, on his own. So he'll take what God created and he will pervert it, right? He'll imitate it. And so this is exactly, I'll go, get into this a little bit in the message later on, but this is exactly what Satan does today. One example is addiction, right? Addiction is just simply a rhythm of the kingdom of darkness, right? It could be as little addiction. It could be addicted to our cell phones, you know, scroll and scroll. It's scroll, dopamine hit, scroll, dopamine hit, scroll, scroll, scroll. And you're just, now you're in a rhythm in, term, in, in, in the kingdom of darkness, right? It could be other things, right? And I won't list all the things that we, we, we good, well good to know, okay? And so this is why a lot of people get frustrated with their walk with the Lord, because it's just that their, their walk tends not to just be a walk. It tends to be a stumble. It tends to be a turn around and go back. And there's not, there's not necessarily a regular discipline rhythm established in the life of the believer, so what's my key point before I get into uh, three rhythms that are found in the Bible I want to talk about? Um, it's simply this. Although our faith walk, faith walk by definition is predict, unpredictable, and by no means am I up here saying that you're going to be able to predict the future, that every day is going to be the same, uh, not at all, right? Faith, by definition, uh, we evokes the idea that we're, go, we're to walk by faith. We're going to step into some things that we really don't know how it's going to end. We have to trust the Lord, okay? So although this is true, yet there is still a cadence or a rhythm that the Holy Spirit seeks to establish in each of our lives. And Jesus demonstrated um, all three of these, okay? And so we have to walk with God however, um, you know, whatever, however, however uh, temple uh, by, which we will, by which we should walk, uh, to be in concert with one another. And just the idea is that we all have different paths that we walk, obviously, like we, we, we all have our own walk with the Lord, but there should be a very noticeable, a very evident rhythm and cadence that should be uh, known and seen and understood in the life of every believer. And so let's get into these. I promise to try to keep, be brief here. Um, but the first, I'm going to talk about three, three rhythms found in the Bible. And they all start with the letter R, big on the alliteration here to help you remember these. Let me just list all three of them first, and then we'll dive into it. So number one is the rhythm of respiration, the rhythm of respiration. Number two, the rhythm of repentance. And then number three, the rhythm of releasing, the rhythm of releasing. All right, let's get into these. Rhythm of repentance. Abiding in Christ, excuse me, number one, it's the rhythm of respiration. Sorry about that. Rhythm of respiration is the first one. So abiding in Christ is like spiritual breathing, okay? If you don't remember anything else about this one, just remember, it's like 
Take a breath. You're supposed to take about, anybody knows you're supposed to take about five to six deep breaths every day. Does anybody do that? All right, so let's all start doing it together, okay? Deep breaths every day. Connection to the Father is just like breathing. How long, think about this, how long can you hold your breath and still be living? Not very long, <laughs> right? You start to hold your breath or, you know, heaven forbid you're in, the, you're, in, you're in the water and you lose oxygen for a period of time. It won't be long before life is now left your body. There is something about breathing that brings life. Same thing in the spirit. Breath may be the most important rhythm that we have in the natural. So I want to propose that it's one of the most, if not the most important rhythms that we should have in the spiritual. Check this out. The Hebrew word for spirit, what do you think it means? Breath. <laughs> the Hebrew word for spirit is ruach. Say that. Ruach. You can't even say it without blowing. Ruach. It means breath. God is literally, as you all sit here and take a deep breath and you're even, sub, we, always, we don't know what we think about. We don't think about breathing. We just do it, right? Um, which, you know, at the, the five or six deep breaths kind of focus us, causes us to be intentional about taking that deep breath. But the idea is that God is giving us a picture in the natural, right? Romans 1, Romans 1, chapter, excuse me, Romans chapter 1, verse 20, one of my favorite verses of the Bible, tells us that God gives us pictures of the spiritual realm in the natural. So this is one of those pictures. Breathing is what we do in natural to stay alive. It's what we need to do to keep our spirit men alive and strong. You know, my, my wife and I just celebrated 14 years of marriage. And, uh, yeah, amen. <laughs> and... Uh, you can always tell, <laughs> you can always tell when like, you, you can always tell like when you're married where there's like, like your rhythm of marriage or your harmony of marriage is now gone, <laughs> okay? Like I, I won't give, you know, one, one, one example that, we, we don't really get in that many uh, disagreements anymore. Uh, <laughs> no. As much as we used to, let me say it that way. You know, when we first got married, we lived in an apartment. We had, you know, very slow uh, Wi-Fi and um, you know, so we would, we would get in, like, disagreements over, like, who could use the Internet. I would want to, like, get online and play Madden football or something like that, and she'd want to, um, you know, be working on her computer. And so as a result, like, you, you, we, we would get into to, to disagreements. And as a result, our, our rhythm, you know, you'd kind of walk in the apartment. And this is, like, oh, it's always petty stuff, but you'd walk into the apartment, and we wouldn't be talking to one another. You know, you could just feel it, right? You could feel it in the air, like there's something missing. There, 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 there's something that is... Um, is, is, in, is in disconnect. And so uh, Galatians 5 and 16 says, but I say walk habitually, walk habitually in the Holy Spirit. And this is in the Amplified. I think this is so good in the Amplified. Seek him and be responsive to his guidance, and then you will certainly not carry out the desire of the sinful nature, which responds impulsively without regard for God and his precepts. Ooh, that's powerful in the Amplified there. And in, in, in famous verse here in John 15 and 4 says, Abide in me and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. Um, you you want to like write this down and like scream this from the mountaintops. The only way the flesh has a chance, the only way, every time we slip and fall, and I'm not, this is not to indict anybody, I'm guilty, we're all guilty, but the only reason this stuff happens is that we either do not establish or we break our intimate rhythm of getting into the presence of God. And I'm not just talking about on Sundays. Getting into the presence of God daily. Daily. 
God wants to write his word. Let's talk about what does that mean, get into the presence of God. God wants to write his word on, on our hearts. Uh, Pastor Jeremiah has been saying this a ton lately, and it's so, so good. He wants to do heart surgery spiritually on us. Well, what, is this, what does this mean? I, I wish I had a ton of time to like, I just finished the Old Testament uh, for the first time reading through the whole thing. I was like, it just you know, blew me away to read through it all together. And you see that with the Jewish people, this was the main thing that God had um, against them was that they would do a lot of things, but their hearts would still be distant from God. So when Jesus came, one of the main things, if not the only thing, that God wanted to do and achieve and and offer to us today, continues to extend this, this invitation, is now I get to come into your heart. Now I get to change your desires. Uh, But obviously he's he's a gentleman, so so we we have to uh, not resist him, right? And so, uh, like memorizing scripture, let me give an, an example. Memorizing scripture is like memorizing songs, okay? He'll write the word on your heart. This is why the Bible says, do not harden your heart when you hear his voice. I remember when I was a kid, like, you know, this is before, uh, I guess I'm dating myself, before social media, before streaming and all that kind of stuff. And, um, but, but, we, but the internet was still kind of new. And so when a new song came out that we all liked, we would like, you know, immediately, like we would get, we would get the lyrics, but really... Because it was like, okay, who could learn the lyrics of the song, you know, first? But really, you, you never really, like, learned and memorized the lyrics of the song. You just, like, listened to the song because you loved the song over and over again. You just loved the song. And naturally, because you loved the song, you could just not start reciting the lyrics, right? It wasn't like—and that's, that's what God's like. When we, come, when we talk about getting into the presence of God, getting into his word, it's not like we're forcing ourselves to memorize Scripture, but you fall in love with Jesus. You fall in love with God and you visit with him every day. You meet with him and you meet with him. And naturally you realize that, oh, wait a minute. Like you're just, you'll be in conversation with somebody and, 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 and in natural conversation, the word of God just starts bubbling up. And you may not have all the scripture citations. Don't worry about any of that stuff. As long as the real word is, as long as you can go look it up later, make sure you're not making it up. But the real word is in your heart, right? And so, so reading the word, meditation, Prayer, worship, they all are really just a means to get to the heartbeat of the Father. If you do all those things and you don't get to the heartbeat of the Father, then then you missed it. You missed the point. To get in lockstep with him. So here's a test. When was the last time, you can just think about this and and take take this home with you tonight. When was the last time you asked God a question you truthfully didn't know the answer to? In other words, when is the last time you made an inquiry into the heart of God? Like oftentimes, and, and not saying us in here, but in, in life, we do the opposite. We establish a position and we're right about abortion, about this. So it could be about big, big issues or about little issues. We don't even care what God says. So when's the last time that we authentically came like a little child and said, Lord, I'm just curious about this. And you have no idea the answer, but you seek him. And here's, here's a little sidebar. Let me just jump. jump. I said I'd come back to this. Um, I said this already, Satan is a copycat. So, so what the strategy that Satan implements to counter this, this idea of getting into the, the presence of God, is his, his strategy is this. It's as easy as ABC. What does that stand for? Anything but Christ. Anything but Christ. Literally, this is what Satan does. Like, look, like, I'm not saying to do this, but you all know this anyways, but social media to media to people at work, to every sphere of influence in this world, you'll recognize that Christ is suppressed and that it doesn't matter what it is, go get into a rhythm of that stuff. And I won't, won't, won't list all the things, but that's exactly what Satan does. To force you to, 
to, to force to appease to your flesh so that you're not entering into the presence of God. See, God requires a, a, a quiet heart. I, um, my, you know, I have three, three little boys, and it's just like, <laughs> this is demonstrated so well with them. It's like we could be at the doctor's office, or we could be uh, in the car, and they literally can't sit still. I mean, they're con- I, I, my middle child especially, he's, uh, our, he's very special to, to my heart. And he, he, he just, he has this thing where from sunup, the only time he stills when he's sleeping. And, um, and, and, and when I saw him one day, God, the Holy Spirit spoke to me and said, you know, you, you're just like that spiritually. You know, we're just like that as believers. You know, God is constantly speaking. He's constantly reaching out. He's like, constantly, there's a flow of communication coming from heaven, but we just can't sit still. <laughs> we, we're doing something, we're scrolling, we're looking at this, like, and, and like, I don't know who's just said it because I, I was in worship real heavy just now. Somebody said it, Pastor Jeremiah I think maybe everybody said it, but it was the idea of like letting go. I think it was, I think it was Pastor Becca, letting go of this stuff and that really that, like getting these burdens off, me, off you because it's natural. We have so many responsibilities as adults and um, even, as, even as young people growing up, you start to feel the weight of the responsibilities build and, and responsibilities are, are biblical. Um, but at the end of the day, um, we, we, we can't, we have to understand the order, right? Like it's God first, <laughs> then everything else. I, I, um, before I move on to the number two, I'll, I'll, I'll say this. We have to establish the rhythm of treating the presence of God like we do breathing. I'll say it one more time. We have to establish the rhythm, the rhythm of treating the presence of God like we do breathing. I mean, you just can't afford to like hold your breath too long, right? You can't afford to keep the stay out of the presence of God for too long. Everything we think or do becomes kingdom. And, you know, um, I know Pastor Dominic talked about this a while ago, but it's the idea that, like, if you're going to go golfing, you know, take Jesus with you, right? If you're going to work out, take Jesus with you, right? It's not like you have to put him on the back burner just because you step out in public. I, I, I like this quote from C.S. Lewis. It says, uh, it's talking about, like, sometimes we, we don't take some of these things to God because we feel like uh, they're too petty and Jesus doesn't care about it. But, but this is a powerful quote. He says, and perhaps as those who do not turn to God in petty trials, petty things, things that we think are petty, will have no habit or such resort to help them when great trials come. So those who have not learned to ask for childish things will have less readiness to ask him for the great ones. We must not be too high-minded. Take everything to God, no matter what it is. Because what's most important is that you're establishing the rhythm of getting in his presence. Amen? Number two, rhythm of repentance. Rhythm of repentance. Um, repentance, we can do a whole series on repentance. Uh, repentance is simply, is not just simply telling God you're sorry, okay? Um, repentance was the first message that Christ preached, Matthew 4 and 17. What is repentance? The, to me, the best way to think about what repentance is is thinking about what is the opposite of repentance. And what will help us here is, is let's just t- take a look at 1 John chapter 1, 9 and 10. 1 John chapter 1, verse 9 to 10. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say we have not sinned, we have made, excuse me, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. Repentance is simply this. It's coming into agreement with God's thoughts. So it's more than just saying, God, I'm sorry. If you read 1 John, what we just read, 1 John chapter 1, verse 9, the opposite of this would just be simply saying, God, you're wrong, <laughs> right? And we see this all over the world today. 
people professing their truth, right? That is very much in contrary to the word of God. See, constant denial of self will allow us to seek and maintain God's perspective. So this is what repentance is. Repentance is really the remedy for the, from the false trinity. Does anybody know what the false trinity is? We know what the real trinity is. The false trinity is me, myself, and I. It's all about me. And so if you think about, like, if you think about some of these elements, some of these things that we talk about, prayer, right, when you're praying, uh, a lot of times prayer deals with pride because it causes us to submit. A lot of times we don't want to pray because we're too prideful. We don't need God's help, right? Giving, giving our tithes and offering, that shifts our trust, right? So some of these things that we do have a direct line into the spiritual realm. Giving is all about trust. It forces us to rely less on tangible things and more upon the power of God. And so oftentimes in the Old Testament, um, repentance was linked with fasting. If you go back and look at these, when Israel was being naughty (laughs) and they would be punished, and then they would, what would they do? They would repent. At the same time, they would fast, Okay, and so what does that do? It kills the carnal nature, it kills the carnal nature. So here's a definition I came up with of repentance. In its fullest sense, it is a term for a complete change of orientation involving a judgment upon the past, and check this out, and a deliberate redirection of the future. So it's a complete change. It's a complete change of mind. It's a complete change of heart. And I want to propose to you that it's a rhythm because we don't just, I mean, unless, your mind, unless you have every thought of God right now this evening, which I don't think is any of us in here, we constantly need to repent. We constantly need to, need to completely change our minds to think like God. So therefore, repentance is a rhythm. Even in, Jesus even said in Matthew chapter 3, verse 8, he says, bear fruit in what? Keeping with repentance. It's a rhythm. Establishing a rhythm of repentance will cause you to inquire of God before making decisions. David did this, not all the time, but most of the time, David did this, right? If you go back and read the story of David, David would have a plan. It usually involved conquering some other nation or group, but before David would go, he would first inquire of the Lord, right? He would first say, God, what do you think? What do you think, God? Submitting our plans to God. It forces us to value his will over our desires. The repentance of submitting to God. This is difficult, right? Because we have we, we, so many times in our lives, we're so sure of what we feel like plans are for our lives. Small plans, medium-sized plans, big plans. But God wants us to constantly repent. Constantly be thinking, okay, well, God, what are your thoughts? And number three, the rhythm of releasing. The rhythm of releasing. Um, releasing is, is very difficult. Um, I'll, give a, I'll, give a, I'll give a couple of stories, but I'll just share this one. Uh, a couple of years ago, I was, um, I was applying to a new job, and, uh, but <laughs> it, the timing was really weird because my old job, it was bonus season. Amen? <laughs> bonus season. And so... So, so we had like, and, and, and the company was kind of struggling. So what they would do is they would, they, would, they would give you the bonus in two tranches. So they would put out a bonus like at the beginning of the month and then one like t- two months later or something like that. And um, it started, and so I was, I had already gotten the job, the new job. And so, and I told them when I could start or something like that. And, um, and I remember that I gave them the date that was like after when the bonuses are going to be paid out because I wanted to collect my bonus and then leave, right? I mean, um, 
And so um, what happened was, unfortunately, the bonuses got kept getting pushed back. And so I went to my new employer and I was like, well, can I start, you know, next month? And I kind of kept pushing it back. And I was really like getting anxious about it because, you know, need the money. <laughs> like, I don't, like I really wanted this bonus. Um, and ultimately, the bonus kept getting, the time frame kept getting delayed. And so I remember, I'll never forget, I went to, I ended up just saying, you know, finalizing my, my, my last day at the job. And then I had a, a meeting with the HR person and I just had a heart to heart and basically just pled my case to say, I'm leaving. Um, I worked really hard this year. This, you know, I feel, still feel like I deserve this bonus. I don't know if and when you guys are ever going to pay these out, but if you do, would you, would you remember me? And, um, and he was kind of receptive and just took some notes and said, I'll see what I can do. And so I left the job and I was kind of like wrestling with, um, with it for a, for a time until the Holy Spirit was like, you got to just let it go. Got to just release it. And I'll never forget, like, <laughs> I, I, was, I was working in downtown Cleveland at the time of the new, the new job and, um, you know, coming, kind of, you know, commuting to work. I took the train to work and literally had forgot about it. I released it. I moved on. And I, you know, looked, you know, logged on to my, my bank account one day, looked at my app, and sh- lo and behold, the bonus was in there. And then a month later or something like that, the second bonus was in there. So, so literally the Lord, um, by releasing it, and I don't mean, you know, I give God glory. And I remember like kind of, you know, crying and just thanking the Lord. Um, but the Lord very vividly rebuked me and said, see, you need to practice releasing. You need to trust me with everything. There's not one thing you need to be carrying over from day by day by day, right? Matthew 6, seek ye first the kingdom of heaven and all these things will be added unto you. And so we need to establish the regular cadence of releasing or letting go. And this will ultimately shift the believer's life from the temporal to the internal. Like if you think about it, most of the things that we're worried about or we're holding on to are, are usually uh, temporal, right? Well, man, what am I going to eat today? <laughs> that was a joke making fun of myself. Um, so from everything from, you know, get, for example, let me come up with a couple of these, giving, right? Giving our time, okay? Release your time. And we're talking about kingdom, right? Don't just give your time to anybody, but release your time for the kingdom. Your talent, your money, letting go of grudges, forgiveness, letting go of plans, ultimately letting go of this world and dying to self. You know, I like to believe that each day that we live, this may be kind of a, and I found this little last minute scripture, I want to I read this because uh, I don't, you know, I don't know if everybody has, has heard of this scripture before, but it's in Ecclesiastes chapter 7, and it's in verse Four, it says, a wise person thinks about death. It's kind of somber, right? A wise person thinks about death, but a fool only thinks about having a good time. It's just kind of this admonition, this little bit of somber reminder that this is not our home, right? Like there is something greater. There's something eternal on the other side of this. And every single day, I don't care how young or old we think we are, the Bible says life's a vapor, right? So every single day we're closer, all of us, right? And so as a result... This is not a message of condemnation. It's just, it's, it's encouraging you to say that every single day, we got to be less invested in the world, right? Every single day, more invested in the kingdom. More, such, such that the day we take our last breath, we're ready to step into glory, right? Amen? We're not like, no, Lord, give me more time, right? We don't, like, so I think, I think I don't have the scripture reference, but I think Paul, Paul said it best. He goes, you know, I long to be with Jesus. I'm paraphrasing this. You know, if I, he's like, I can go today, I go today. But nevertheless, 
I'm still going to be here and do, complete my assignment. I paraphrase that. It's somewhere in the New Testament. <laughs> um, Matthew chapter 10, verse 39 says, Whoever finds his life will lose it. Whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. A couple more scriptures here, and then we'll close. 2 Kings chapter 7. This is a phenomenal story. Uh, we, we, we've, others have preached this way better than me, but definitely check this out. 2 Kings chapter 7. I'm just going to read verses 3 and 4. Uh, it says, now there were four men who were lepers, right? For those that don't know what leprosy was, awful disease causes your skin to kind of shrivel up. And, you know, I won't give you graphic details, but it basically was a death sentence back then. Okay? And so these four men had leprosy, and, um, at, and they sat at the entrance of the gate, and they said to one another, why are we sitting here until we die? If we say, let us enter the city, the famine is in the city, and we're going to die there. And if we sit here, we die also. So now come, let us go over to the camp of the Syrians. If they spare our lives, we shall live, and if they kill us, guess what? We're going to die anyways. So what's the point of this, of this little passage? Their mentality was this, we're dead already. We're playing with house money. We're dead already. So therefore, nothing can happen to us. Oh, don't, 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 don't hear me wrong. We're definitely alive in Christ, amen? Our spirit is rejuvenated, right? But this world is passing away. And we have to have the mentality, just like these four lepers, to say, we're playing with house money. There's nothing worth losing your eternity over just because it felt good at the time, or it was a temporal, or it was a little quick fix, right? But we need to have this mentality that says, you know what? We're dead. We're dead. We're dead in Christ, right? Dead with Christ, okay? And also risen with Christ. Amen? And so first, a couple more verses, and we'll close. First John chapter 2, verses 15 to 17 says, um, Do not love the world or the things in this world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. Verse 16, for all that is in the world, the desires of the flesh, the desires of the eye of the eyes and pride of life is not from the Father, but is from the world. And the world is passing away along with its desires, and whoever, love, whoever does the will of God abides forever. So I want to encourage you to, that the rhythm, this rhythm of releasing is just this picture of living, living life with an open hand, right? I think it's so symbolic when we praise and worship just to open your hands up before the Lord, because I'm not holding on to anything but you, Jesus to really truly be about the Father's business. So for this one, I'll give you, some, give you a challenge tonight. I'll give you some homework as you go tonight, this, the rest of this week. Just, you know, spend some time with God, and then, and then you know, you should, you'll know these right away even as I'm talking. Bring up the things that you're worried about. Like, I, I got mine already. <laughs> like, my wife knows it too. Like, I got one that's just been, like, like stuck with me for some time. It's like, you know, it's, it's been a challenge, right? So think about that thing. And then ask yourself, talk to God about this and says, how does that thing or how does worrying about that stuff advance the kingdom of God? And I think God will speak. I think the Holy Spirit will speak. It'll, it'll help to give you perspective. So in closing, how do you get into a rhythm? You know, like if, you're, if you feel stuck this evening and you walk with the Lord, you know, how do you jumpstart your walk with the Lord? How do you get into the rhythm? How do you even begin to start thinking about what it means to breathe spiritually and to start repenting? frequently to start releasing things? Well, the answer is really simple. Um, I kind of wrestled with this one as I was preparing this, but I really feel like the Lord was like, look, I'm, some, some of this stuff we, we kind of over-spiritualize in church. Uh, the reality is, is that um, your, your heart really always shows, you know, uh, it, you know it, it always shows like what's most important to you. 
right? And so it's just, it's just like anything, like for example, working out. It's like, well, how do you start um, you know, getting into the rhythm of working out, right? So, so I'm gonna give you three things, very simple things, and, and then scriptures along with them. But number one, very simple, be intentional. Be intentional. Five, uh, Psalm five and three, O Lord, in the morning, you hear my voice. In the morning, I prepare a sacrifice for you and watch. I mean, just think of anything that you've ever loved and done. If you love it enough, you're going to be intentional. This idea of the morning is very, it's, also, it's, true, it's, it's truthful, but it's also symbolic. And it just says, set Jesus as the most important thing. Like, like every, if you don't do anything else, get in the presence of God. And, and just like working out, you go the first time, you're going to come back sore. <laughs> it's, not, it's not going to be fun, you know, unless you're, you know, weird, like some people I know really are weird about working out. They love it. I, I, I work out, I have a rhythm of working out myself and I can't stand it. <laughs> I don't like it. But um, I do it, right? Because it's because I understand the benefits. And so um, just like when you're stressed out with a rhythm of anything, it's going to feel awkward, right? But you do it anyways and you stay intentional. People are always intentional about what they love. And that's just the bottom line. You're always intentional about what you love. And so, you know, if the, if the issue is, just like, the, it's like, I, I thought of this example with the Browns. I mean, the Browns have been terrible forever, right? A couple, couple, couple and I'm a Browns fan, so I can say it. Uh, you know, a couple of, couple of highlights, uh, just a couple. But it's like, dumb people get up at five, four, three in the morning and tailgate downtown, right? Or all around the city. I mean, it's just, it is an established rhythm. It is a cadence. And it's generational, too. So, you, so we can't say that, you know, and, and that's for the Browns, you know. So come on. It's, I think Jesus is a little bit greater than the Browns. <laughs> All right? Amen? All right? Although I'm still, pray, I'm still praying for the Browns, too. <laughs> so be intentional. Number two, uh, don't look away. Keep your eyes fixed on Jesus. I heard this uh, recently, and I thought it was so good. Uh, they said that burnout, this idea of getting burnt out is a myth. There's no such thing as getting burnt out. The only reason why you ever get burnt out at anything is you lost your vision. You lost your sight. So simply put, don't look away from Jesus. Keep your eyes fixed on him. Galatians 6 and 9 says, And let us not grow weary of doing good, for in due season we will reap if we do not get up, give up. This is especially true for those that have been walking with the Lord for some time. Because we tend to kind of like measure time the way that God does not measure time. We, we measure it in the natural, and we kind of justify some of our, you know, I do this as well. I've been doing this for too long or whatever. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to this season. Well, whatever you do in your seasons, right, understand that looking away from Jesus is never uh, an option. And number three, work. Work. So be intentional. Don't look away and work. Luke, Luke 19, Jesus is sharing this parable, but uh, such a powerful verse. Uh, a lot of people will tie this to the end times. But you know, if you think about the rapture, Jesus is coming back. He's returning. You're going to read that story in chapter, Luke chapter 19. He's coming back for people uh, that are going to recognize him, right? You're, you're, remember, we just said you're distanced from the world. You've got tunnel vision. You're about the kingdom. You're about the kingdom. You're about the kingdom. You're working. He says, do business until I return. And again, there's no age limit on this. Jesus didn't say, well, once you hit 65, though, you can relax, <laughs> right? No. If you go back and read the Old Testament, you read a lot of these awesome people in the Bible, a lot of things that they did was in their 80s or over 100 years old or whatever. I think, well, yeah, what was Moses? Yeah, I don't know. I can't think of all the, <laughs> the ages, okay? So God does not want us to be idle. He has something, in, something for us to do and often, something for us to, to do and to cultivate. And oftentimes someone, 
right? Discipleship. I mean, that's a lot of the work that God, that Jesus calls for us to do. If you're not discipling anybody or getting discipled, this is very much a rhythm that should be evident in the life of every, every believer. So let's all stand and I'll, I'll close. Again, I, I, um, I alluded to this before, but the opposite of rhythm is this idea of dissonance. Dissonance. James, James chapter 1 talks about this. James chapter 1, verse 6 and 8, it says, For the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea that is driven and tossed by the wind. For that person must not suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord, but he is double-minded, unstable in all his ways. Can anybody guess what that word in the Greek, unstable, means? It means restless or frequently changing. Basically, you got no rhythm. Like the person who can't dance. <laughs> you got no rhythm. So let's just kind of bow our hearts and close our eyes. And for those that this message has resonated with, whether you are, your life is in disarray, you feel dissonant, uh, uh, chaos on all sides, or you've kind of stepped out of your um, loving walk, your intimate walk with the Lord, as the song is playing, we oftentimes use music to speak to our soul, our nefesh in Hebrew. That would cause us to come in lockstep with the heart of the Father. The rhythm and the heartbeat of the Father is slow. It's not in a rush. It'll take time for you. It's intentional and it cuts so deep to your heart. Father will always tell you the truth out of love. Thank you, Lord. And so, Lord, right now, we just thank you for your word. We thank you for your gentle touch, your gentle nudge, Father God, to reach down, pick us up by the hand, and come back into lockstep with you, walking not just on Sundays, Father, but daily with you, seeking your presence repenting at every turn where we need to repent and releasing exactly and everything that, that you call that you would want us to release. We thank you for your grace. We thank you for the sacrifice that you made on the cross. And so, Father God, we just repent, Father. We thank you for new beginnings. We thank you for the new page, the new chapter, the new song, Father God, that you would write on our hearts. Give us new vision of you. Let us not to be um, come to you, Father God, the same way that we've come to you before. Let us not think that we have this whole thing called Christianity figured out. Let us humble ourselves, Father God, and receive exactly what you have caused us to receive. So we honor you, Father God. We praise you as the one true king. We truly do cast our crowns before you make you Lord over our lives. We love you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. If you need prayer, I'll be up here at the altar. Altar ministers will come up. Um, prayer for anything. I want to encourage you to, to come up and receive prayer. Um, thank you for, it's been a pleasure being with you this evening. Live right, love everyone. Pray hard. Establish those new rhythms in your hearts. Amen.